So tonight, I had to use my sermon last time for that Sunday. I had to fill in. So I had to I had to go get me another one. But it's always fun when you get those random phone calls of, hey, I need you to fill in because somebody's out sick. Oh, that's that's good. But tonight, I want to talk about what faith looks like. And so we're going to be going through God's Word tonight. I hope you brought your Bibles. It's not on version. I don't... I, I don't know how to do that, so I need to learn that one, but it is not on version. but if you have your Bible, we're going to be going through some scriptures tonight, and I want to look at three different areas of faith tonight, but let's go to Romans chapter 1 and get started here, but I want to draw a picture of a couple of things faith looks like, because it's easy for us to, if, we, if I said I'm thinking of a purple elephant with pink polka dots, what did you just think about? You did not write it out in letters or numbers or something that you would want to do. You saw the picture. Our brain is designed to see pictures of things when we say them. If I said I have a green pickup truck, you automatically think of a green pickup truck. If you're a Ford guy, you probably thought of a Ford. If you're a Chevy or Dodge, you probably thought of those. It's just how his brain functions. But for the Word of God, it's so filled with so many different descriptions, and Jesus did an awesome job of painting pictures for people to show them a very clear picture of what he's trying to say, but we're going to go look at a couple of biblical accounts. But before we get started, I wanted to go and just kind of set us up with Romans chapter one, verse sixteen and seventeen. And so let me get there in my Bible because I like how the NASB said Romans chapter one, verse sixteen and seventeen. And it says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel." For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first, then to also the Greeks. And it says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. And so I want to key in on verse 13. It says, Faith to faith. And one thing I, whenever I was studying this out, one thing I noticed is that from faith to faith is a progression. Our faith is not designed to just, once we reach a level, just stay there. Our faith is to always be building or growing and increasing. Because as we know, there's a stretching process that takes place. Like Pastor Mark announced, we are in a stretch right now. And for our faith, our faith must stretch with us. Because in order to grow up spiritually, one of the key facets that we have to have is our faith. But if you are never stretching your faith or growing your faith, then you can never reach the next level. And so when it's talking about from faith to faith, it's always a progression. There's always something else we can reach to and grow that faith. But I want to look at three different pictures of faith tonight. And the Bible is very clear that Jesus was uh, speaking with his disciples, and he labeled three different things. And number one was no faith. And so we're going to go over to Mark chapter 4 and look at this account. And this is not where we want to be. We do not want to be labeled as no faith. That's, that's a bad spot to be. And you're thinking, even these disciples, it's like, you got the label no faith. Well, we're going to see why. And so in Mark chapter, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, this is a story when Jesus told them we're going to cross to the other side. It says, on that day when evening had came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. This is crucial. If you don't have that underlined on your Bible, you might want to underline. He said, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crown, they took him 
along with them in the boat. It says, just as he was and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of a wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. And Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are about to perish, or we are perishing? And he got up, and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and he said, Hush, be still, or peace, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And then verse 41, it says, They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the winds and waves obey him? Where there's, I mean, this scripture is, this whole passage of scripture is packed full of so much information. But we're going to go ahead and try to break it down into just simpler terms to see what's going on. And obviously we start off with, what did Jesus say in 34? He said, let us go to the other side. So Jesus had already given the command and said, let us go. He didn't say, let us try. He said, let us go to the other side. Well, we know that when God speaks, it's as if it already happened. When God speaks, that's the final say. There's nothing else for that. It's not God. God is not bipolar. I hope you guys already understand that. He is not bipolar at all or schizophrenic or anything. When he speaks it, it is so. And that's how it will be. When God says you move or you step out, when we do those things, when we obey him, he's obligated to take care of us. When God told me and my wife to move to Valdosta, that was the word of God for our lives. When he said that, we knew that whenever we take this step, even though we don't know where we're going to live, how we're going to afford things, we know God's obligated because we obey him. And so when we step out and we actually obey God's word, they said, okay, let's go. So they started off this journey great. There was other boats with them, it even said, and they started going. But Jesus said to them, let's go to the other side. But they heard him, but they did not clearly remember what he had told them. So when the trial started coming, the winds and the waves started beating on the boat. Immediately, they lost focus, and they started looking at their circumstances. Obviously, if you have your boat starting to fill up with water, it might be a panic moment. I mean, me personally, that was one of those things that I was sitting there thinking, man, if I was a disciple and Jesus is asleep, and this boat is rocking so hard that it's starting to fill up with water, what would my reaction be? You always got to put yourself in the Bible. You got to put yourself in their shoes and say, where am I at? I want to know, am I the Peter that we're going to find out about here in a minute? But, or am I like these other disciples going, I'm about to die! Because we don't want to be the no faith people. We want to be people of great faith. And so they go over and they heard, let us go to the other side. But when the storms and all the waves started happening, they immediately forgot what God said. They, were, they forgot completely about God saying, we're going to go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. It's what his purpose required. But when they started doing it, they started basing on what they saw, not what they heard. And so we cannot be people that only do what we see. Because the sight, I mean, it will always get us off. Anytime we look around what we see, me and Pastor Mark have talked, and it's just, it's funny how God stretches you in just different situations. Because there's trials that I can look back now, and I call them my Goliaths. Because even David faced a lion, and then he faced a bear. And everybody wants to rejoice once they get that bear, and they say, yeah, I've killed both of these. 
But what David didn't know is that there's something even bigger that he was getting prepared for. He was stretching every single time he would go through a trial, and his faith continued to grow in his God. That's why when he was able to stand before Goliath, he would say, Who are you to come against my God? I mean, this guy ain't nothing. I killed a lion and a bear because God was with me. He ain't nothing. He was stretched to get to that level, and that's where we have to continue to stretch our faith, and it takes trials. I'm sorry to tell you that, but it takes going through some stuff. But guess what? We go through them. God says that he makes a way for us to get through the trial. Because so many believers just want to get there and say, Lord, just remove this from me. I mean, Paul even said it. He said, Lord, take this thorn from my side. Just remove it from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. He said, my grace is enough. Because so many times we don't want to get stretched. But even a rubber band knows that it's not useful until it's stretched. Because if you take a rubber band and you don't have enough stuff to actually wrap around it, the stuff just falls through it. It requires the stretch to actually hold it together. It becomes useful. And so these disciples are freaking out, and they realize that Jesus is operating on a different level than what they are. And one of the things that Jesus said, he said, peace be still. And the amazing thing is, is that that peace was there the entire time with the disciples. They just didn't know that they could pull it down. They could call it down. Because Jesus got up and he operated in his authority and said, peace be still. Well, those disciples were still learning. And that's stretching. More stretching is required. So they look at him and they realize, wow, Jesus said go to the other side. He got up and commanded these things and they listened to him. And so one of the main reasons we have no faith is the result of forgetting God's word. When we forget what God has said and we're not studying in that, it causes our faith to continue to just not be there. You cannot grow. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we are not continually looking into God's word to find out who am I as a believer, what does God say about my finances, what does God say about healing, we have nothing to grow on. It's like for obviously when you're farming, you have to put some nutrients back in it. If you don't put the water in there, if you don't put any nutrients back into the soil, you can't expect a lot. This is what grows us more. When we get into God's word, it's what actually pumps life back into us. And so we don't want to be the people of no faith, but we also don't want to be the people of little faith, which is the next story we're going to go to in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, this one's incredible because... The account of what happened and him still saying little faith, it just blows me away. So we're going to Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 33. And so once again, it says immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. While he sent the crowds away, it says after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And that's one of the most crucial things about our faith is if we're not getting alone with God, we don't have anything to give. I mean, if we want to believe God for this next land payment, if, or if we want to believe God for this, but if we're not spending time with God ourselves to continue to develop us, we're not going to have a lot to give. And that's why I tell our children's workers all the time, we don't minister from just what we get on Sunday and Wednesday. If you go into that classroom and you haven't touched your Bible all week long, you have nothing to give. 
Just imagine having a pitcher of water right here that is already to the brim, and I start pouring a water hose into it. What's going to happen? It overflows. It can't contain it. And that's what we need to be doing in our life. We shouldn't be giving somebody of our own resources. We should be giving them our overflow. We spend so much time in God's word that it is pouring out of us that we can say, here, take some of this. Here, you need some of this. And even the people that we're around all the time, we don't even have to minister to them. As we live our life, that overflow pours out around them. And they start recognizing they act different. In this situation, when all chaos was breaking loose in the office the other day, they were really calm. And especially when layoffs started getting talked about, you can see who's really spending some time with God and who's not because they act different. That's that overflow. But in this story, so he goes on. He says, uh, when the disciples are, let's go to 25. Wait, 24. It says, but the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves and the winds was contrary. Once again, they're on a boat with some really rough seas. I don't know if you've ever been out on the ocean before with some rough seas, but I know for a fact my body does not like that at all. That was the most miserable boat trip I was ever on in my life, and they said the waves were only like four foot. I said, I can't imagine having some waves that are like eight foot crashing, making these boats go. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, take me now. Just get me off this thing. It was horrible. I was sick as a dog the entire time. So these guys, more power to you. You went on the boat. Waves the contrary again. It says, uh, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to walk on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus snatched him out or stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So this story is incredible. and It's talking about Peter walked on the water. Well, one, he walked on water. So many times people want to look at the fact that he failed and he started sinking. But when God spoke, when Jesus spoke, he said, you command me because I know once you say it, it's got to be. So he's looking out. He said, Lord, if it is you, command me to walk on the water. And he said, come. And that's the only thing Peter needed. And he took that step of faith, boom, and the water supported him. And he was able to walk on the water. But once again, he started looking at the things contrary to him around him. He started looking at the winds and the waves. And every single time we get our eyes off of God and get our eyes off of the faith walk that we're on, fear always shows up. Because so many times, I mean, I was even going through my Kingdom Institute notes, and I love going back through these binders that I have because I see where I was at as a believer back then. And so one of my essays was talking about just like Peter was walking on the water so many times we can be so excited about a new adventure and we can step out and we are so excited and passionate about it. But then once we start to reason out in our head, so many times believers won't continue on that course because they reason themselves out of it. And they decide, no, 
that's no, there's no way. There's no way we could afford that. There's no way that God really wants me to move there. No, there's, there's no, I'm fine. Look at all the stuff I'm doing here. This, and they start focusing on what's around them. And the biggest danger about that is when we start focusing on what's around us, it will drown our faith. Peter had to cry out and say, Lord, save me. And he said he reached out and stretched out his hand and picked him up. And he said, you have little faith. Well, obviously, little is better than no faith because those guys didn't believe at all and they were terrified of him. But Peter recognized that, Lord, you speak a word and I can move upon that word. And so no faith is the most dangerous one, but little faith can definitely hinder our walk with God. And little faith is a result of being distracted from the word of God. So we have no faith is a result of being forgetful or forgetting God's word, not even remembering what he even said. But little faith is a result of being distracted from the word of God. And I mean, especially we have so many things going on nowadays. I mean, we have so many electronics that I finally had to tell my wife, I can't read my Bible on my phone. I have too many notifications that pop up all the time that I'm like, ooh, what's that? What's that? I finally had to stop. Because it was distracting me from what I was really trying to get. And so, I mean, paper has no notifications, thank God. But so many times things are trying to get our attention elsewhere. I mean, especially for those that have children, you know, you, you're like, yes, quiet time. And you put them down for a nap or they're finally in bed and all of a sudden you hear, I want water. Like, oh my gosh, this child needs to go to bed. And there's constantly things that are going, or you finally lay down, you relax, and then you realize, oh, man, I forgot to put the laundry back in the dryer, and i got to get up now and go do that, or it's going to smell really bad in the morning. There's always things trying to buy for our attention, trying to get us distracted. But we got to be people that can almost hunker down in our position and not be moved. Whenever we want to spend time with God, we need to make sure we separate that time and say, God, this is your time. I don't care what goes on. The house might be burning down. Leave me alone. I'm spending time with God. Not really. If the house is burning down, get out. I'm just throwing that out there. But you know what I mean. we got to separate that time to be able to spend time with God because if we don't spend that time with him to know what his word says, we will never have the next level, and that is great faith. And so we're going to go look at the great faith level, and that is found over in Matthew chapter 8. So we're just going to go back a few chapters. And obviously, this is the account of the centurion soldier. And this one is, just gets me excited every time because this is for us today. It's easy. And so, in Matthew chapter, five, or Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 is where we start. It says, And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him, and he said, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully trembling. And he said, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. But just say the word only and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority. He said, when the soldier is under me, he said, I say to those ones, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled. And he said to those following, truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel or with anyone in Israel. And so one of the key factors is that, one, the centurion knew who Jesus was. He already had a full realization, revelation of 
you are somebody in authority. He said, but you're not the one in a high authority. He said, you are submitted to someone. He said, I'm just like you. He goes, I too submit myself to someone in a higher authority. But I also have some people under me that I say, you go and they listen and obey. And he had already figured out in his head the power of words. Because especially in nowadays, people can give commands from, I mean, all the way on the other side of the world. But when they sign their name and they do their seal, it's as if they're right there with them. And so he tells Jesus, he said, no, no, no. I'm not worthy for you to even show up at my house. He said, what I need you to do is just say the word only. And once you speak it, it will be as if it was already done. And so Jesus is looking at him saying, you've already figured this out. Because God didn't show up and tell Jesus, go here, go here. He spoke to him. When he was spending time in prayer, he was listening and following after what God wants him to do. Because Jesus did nothing on his own. But he only did what the Father told him to do. So when he's going out, he's going out in the Father's authority because he's obeying what he said. Well, for us, faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word alone. So when we continue to hear God's voice, we can then act on that word. And that causes our faith to continue to grow. And so the reason he got labeled great faith is because it was the result of speaking the word only. No matter what the circumstances looked around him, no matter what people were trying to say, what was contrary, he said, no, this is what God said. He said, Jesus, you just speak the word only, my servant will be healed. He said, I don't even need you to come and lay hands on him. You say it's healed, it's done. I believe it, we're moving on. And so the centurion showed us that when we listen to God's word, we obey his voice, our faith can then be stronger. Every single time we hear a word from God, it continues to stretch us. But the biggest thing about it is that stretching process is, will you do what he says? Because a lot of times we hear God's voice all the time. He's always speaking to us. But the question is, are we listening? Are we taking that time to separate? Just like Jesus said, he went up on the high mountain, he prayed. He went and separated himself to find out, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you need me to do? And so for us, we must take that time to go and listen to God's voice. Because if we're just moved by what we see, our faith can never operate. In, in one of Miles Monroe's books, he said this. He said, the greatest gift God has ever given us is not the gift of sight, but the gift of vision. He said, sight is a function of your eyes. Vision is a function of your heart. God never intended us to live by what we see. But he always... His real intent was for us to live by what we believe. He never wanted us to go off of what we see. He said, I want you to live by what you believe. That's why in this world it's so contrary because we have belief systems that we are operating and living by every single day. When we operate the way the kingdom does, we look different. I mean, that's why there's so much persecution going on about the church now. And I mean, the true marriage, everything is contrary because we are standing for what we believe. And that's why Pastor Mark's series right now talking about so, talking about the love of God is so crucial for us right now because it's showing us how do we love people the way God did in this day and age. Because so many people want to say, well, I'm just doing what God did. No, you're not. You're doing what the Sadducees and Pharisees and all of them did. You got to live it. And when you live it, that will be the best example for someone else. And I even heard a minister say one time, he said, 
in this day and age, the most crucial thing is be genuine. He said, because so many times a, a fake or a copycat will show up. And he said, people won't go to it because they're looking for the real thing. He said, when you're the real deal, people will flock to you because they want to know what's the truth. Even Jesus had Pilate showing up saying, what is truth? Tell me what is the truth. And so when we continue to do this, it requires faith. I mean, it requires faith every day to wake up and there's a new circumstance. It might be something small. It might be something large. But that's where we got to find out, where am I at? Do I fall in the no faith category where I continue to forget what God has said in the midst of my trial? Or am I in the little faith where I can step out and, man, once I get in the midst of the trial, I'm excited at the beginning? Or do I start to wean off and say, well, maybe it's not God. It hasn't happened in my time frame. It's not happening the way I thought it should happen. Maybe this isn't God, and we continue to digress. Or are we those ones that are of great faith, that when God says, do this, we can stand on it and say, you spoke it, it's as if it's already done, and we move on. Because in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, this is my last scripture for this evening. Chase, you can come on up. But in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And so I want to challenge all of us tonight to continue to stretch our faith. The more that we continue to stretch our faith to see beyond what is sight and start to believe what God has said, the more we'll actually do for God's kingdom. And I'll tell you right now, in this stretching time, it's not just a stretch for the staff members or the Elevate staff, but it's going to be a stretch for everybody. And this, it's not, and Pastor Earl says this all the time, that it requires all of us. The vision's way bigger than just you and me, but it requires all of us to do our part to accomplish what God's doing in this church. And that's why on Wednesday nights, I love Wednesday nights, because this is a church group. We thank you for coming. We love having guests. And But the thing about it is this is our church group. This is the ones that come and that are committed. And so for us, I want us to be encouraged tonight to know that we can have great faith. When God speaks it, we believe it. That it doesn't matter what happens, what's happening around us, because... I mean, so many times in my life, just personally, God has spoken something to our life, and immediately, everything around us looks contrary to what God said. And that's where you got to stand firm and say, no, I'm going to plant myself on God's word. He said it will be this way, and it will. Because so many times, people want to go, well, God did say that, but this all looks way different. I'm out. And they leave too quickly. They forget what God said. But we won't be those people. We will be those people that stand firm and say, God, you said it, so you will make it come to pass. We will stand and believe with you that by your word, that's all we need. And so I encourage you to be in God's word. Don't let that get into those modes where we continue to forget or we get distracted by the things of this world. Let us just stand and believe God's word only, and we'll see great things come to pass in our families, but also in this ministry. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this night. That, Father, we get to come and spend some time with you. That, Father, I, I pray right now that our faith will be strengthened tonight, Father. That, Lord, we will be like the centurion soldier. That, Lord, by your word only, things will happen, Father. Lord, that all we need is you to speak forth your word and that we will see change come to pass, Father. For every stretch that is happening, Father, I thank you, Lord, that people will continue to stay in the stretch. That, Lord, it might get rough. It might get get really tight but father i thank you lord that we will continue to stretch and grow because father when we stretch we can reach new levels 
stretching is required for everyone to grow. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that we will continue to stretch our faith. That, Lord, we won't just leave our faith at one level. But, Father, it's a progression. That, Lord, we will continue to push it more. That, Father, if we've never given a certain number before and we think it's out of reach, Father, I thank you that we can stretch our faith. That, Father, Lord, that that's not that big of a deal. Father, if it's something for provision for our family, if it's a new car, new house, Father, Lord, I thank you that you can continue to grow our faith to believe that. But, Lord, I thank you that we can start where we're at right now. Lord, we can believe you at your word and see great things come to pass in our life. That, Lord, we can recognize these Goliaths in our life. And that, Lord, once we conquer those Goliaths, that, Father, we will be able to recognize them as a victory in you. And, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this body, what you're doing here in Valdosta, Lord. We are so thankful, so thankful for the partners that you have brought us. Father, for the new guests that you continue to bring to us, Father, for the lives that are being changed for your kingdom. That, Lord, we continue to thank you and praise you for what you're doing in this city, what we continue to reach out, stretch forth to do for your name. That, Lord, we want to be a blessing to all those around us. And we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for this evening. That, Lord, the word will go deep into our heart. That, Father, the the enemy will not steal this word away from us. But, Father, Lord, that it will take root inside of us that we can grow and be able to develop even greater for your kingdom, Father. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.